Hey, all you hot messes on this week's episode of the Hot Mess Teacher Express. We are talking about those educational truths that have no science to back them up. But we as educators know that they're true. Okay. If you're crazy like the rest of us, stay tuned for this episode of the Hot Mess Teacher Express. you hot messes. Welcome back to another episode of the Hot Mess Teacher Express. I am your hot mess conductor, Jess Smith, bringing the hot and the mess on this beautiful new day. There's something about like a morning. I don't know when you're listening to this, but if it's in the morning, I just, it's fresh, like right, those morning, that morning air. It's new, hasn't been ruined by anyone or any classroom yet. And I get to have coffee and it's just mm, chef's kiss, sublime, right? And I'm at the point in my adult life where I'm like genuinely excited about my morning iced latte. Is it the reason I get up in the morning? Yeah, it is. Okay, sue me. Anyway, today I'm really excited to chat about things that people who who are not in education may may say that we as teachers quote unquote made up okay but but I can assure you that as an educator and as someone who has seen these things happen they are very very real today we are talking about the beliefs in teaching that are 100,000% true but they just have no scientific basis at all, like zero. There, there may be a few that are connected to, to celestial objects and, and may have an approximately like 0.129% base in science. But other than that, like, okay, there's there's none. But let's be real. We, we are the experts in this, okay? I'm not letting science or the lack of proof, I'm not letting science or the lack of proof persuade me from believing that these things are real. I have all of the proof I need in the countless comments from other educators and teachers sharing the same things. Like, we can't all be crazy, right? I'm just going to get this first one out of the way right away. It's like 100,000% the most talked about thing, full moons. Picture this. It's a seemingly ordinary day in your classroom the students are in their seats, you're ready to start your lesson, and like suddenly you notice and feel a change in the atmosphere. You smell it in the air, and you see their pupils dilate, and you know in your heart, you run to your calendar, because there's absolutely no way that you miss this, but the calendar confirms your worst fears, okay? It's the full moon. First, you might notice the sudden burst of energy among your students. And and it's as if they've been injected with, I don't know, moonlight, is it? And they're bouncing off the walls like lunatics. You're trying to explain long division. And and they're convinced it's the perfect time to reenact a scene from the Avengers. And and then there's the heightened, uh, let's call it creativity, I guess. 
comedy routines and, and you'll get responses to your questions like, well, uh, the moon is made of cheese and that's why two plus two equals cheese, obviously. And then they all, as if Will Ferrell was in the room and said that joke, they all start cackling because that joke totally made sense and was obviously so hilarious. But it wasn't because the way that they are all cackling about it makes it instantly more clear that those laughs may as well be howls to the full moon because these students are most definitely werewolves. These are not the same students that I had a week ago. And and thankfully, after the full moon passes, okay, it goes back to normal. They are still crazy, but but they are less moonlight manic. Maybe like I'll join them next time, right? I'll say to the principal, oh, it's the full moon. <laughs> like I'll just start saying crazy stuff with them. We can't beat them, join them. Or, or maybe I'll let them know that the moon is controlling their behaviors and they need to fight the evil moon. This is how I get in trouble with, with parents. That's not a good idea. Don't do that. Scratch it. That's not a good one. The next thing that is a thousand percent true, has no scientific basis whatsoever, is that half days are longer than than regular school days. This one, there's never been anything more true for me. Shorten something that is usually long and it's actually twice as long of torture than what it was when it was longer. Whew. <laughs> That was, that was a lot. Okay. But seriously, a half day is the worst because everyone knows it's a half day. Everyone is ready for it to be a half day. And, and you've worked yourself up into this excitement that, oh, pff, I only have to do this for a half a day, not a full day. So your expectations are boom, down at the floor. Okay. You're vulnerable you're happy, you're excited because it's a half day, you you think it's going to be easy. But for some unexplainable reason, it is not easy. And it's actually the longest day of your life. You've been teaching your heart out for a solid three hours. Sweat is coming off of your brow, right? Everyone's inspired. You're inspired. It's been, it has to be almost lunchtime and the half day is up. And you look up at the clock and it's 8.32 a.m. Like, how does the clock lie on a half day? Are we in a space-time continuum? (laughs) The same thing goes for like long weekends that bleed into shorter weeks or the short weeks before break. It's like time stops just for us to enjoy the suffering a little longer. And in these moments, I don't understand how time works, okay? No amount of physicists, physicists, that's the word, (laughs) or scientists can tell me otherwise. (sighs) The next thing that is a thousand percent true is that the more behavior problems that a student has in your classroom, the less school days that they will miss. This is just a hard straight fact. I don't know what it is, but these kids know how to push my buttons and they do it every day because they're sitting every day in my classroom. I am not condoning students missing school for for weird reasons, but like these kids never are never take a day off. And and sometimes I had to take a day off from work just to get a sanity break from the behavior problems of the kid that would never be absent. If they weren't going to be absent, then 
I would have to be. And and any time my mood would start to to shift, right, on a random Wednesday because they weren't there. I like send in my attendance. They still weren't there. Like, oh my gosh, like I'm going to have the most productive day ever with this class. I I won't be distracted by correcting behaviors. And then all of a sudden, a, a breeze would come through the back door and I would hear, hi, everybody, from that kid. Okay. And he's waltzing in the door with a McDonald's breakfast. Like, seriously? Now I have to smell that sweet bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit and correct your behavior all day? Yay. Yay me. And this is not me making fun of a student, okay? This is not me saying I don't want a student in my classroom. But listen, all of us in in any relationship could use a break. Five minutes or, or a whole day from from each other sometimes, okay? The next thing that that people think uh, is is true is that sarcasm actually does work in the classroom, okay? Yes, it does. I have used sarcasm in every classroom and every class, and it worked very well. Thank you very much. And now, obviously, you're not going to be using sarcasm if with every single student in every single class. Like You have to be smart about it. And obviously, if you speak the sarcasm language, you have to do that too. But please do not use sarcasm on the sensitive kid who, who can't relate or doesn't, and doesn't work well with your sarcasm. Please don't do that. Okay. But when you do have a class full of students who speak fluent sarcasm, speak their language. It does work. No amount of PD will ever convince me otherwise. Okay. I will use sarcasm in the classroom. Thank you. The next thing that is 100% true is that when the copier is down, when you are in the rush and you have no backup plans, okay, you cannot tell me that there is not a robot or, or a magical elf that lives in that copier and sees the sweat forming on my brow, sees the panicked look in my eyes as I'm trying to frantically run copies. And they're like, you know what? I just want to cause chaos. That's what I want to do today. And then like jams a bunch of papers inside the machine where my fat hands can't reach in and get it. Or like I'll have to be covered in toner if I want to get that jam out. Like it has to be a robot or a magical elf. And they're just looking to ruin my day as a teacher. I, I know that. I, I know it for a fact. Maybe they had a bad teacher and they're taking it out on the rest of us. I don't know. Definitely a magical elf or a robot though. Like this is getting off track. But seriously, <laughs> those copiers will sense your fear and panic. And you need to calm down before hitting print. That's, that's really bad singing. I'm never going to do that again. I promise. The next thing that is 100% true is bad water years. Have you heard of this phrase? When when I taught in, in our small town school, I heard a veteran teacher say this, and I was like fascinated. Like, what is a bad water year? Okay, so basically a bad water year in a school is when one grade level has extremely bad behavior. It comes out of nowhere. I think it comes from the idea that there was bad water, quote unquote, in the town 
the year that those kids were conceived. <laughs> so maybe this could definitely be linked up with science. It might be a little scary if we actually link it up to science. So I'm just going to stay in my oblivion. But usually these years across the board, there may be one or two good eggs that like snuck in there. But for the majority of the classes, they are all behavior problems. I actually taught a class like this. I was moved from middle school down to third grade for a bad water year class. And it was, yeah, it was like watching a tidal wave move through the school. And you always know the teachers who are teaching these classes because they look like they've been hit by a tidal wave. That whole year teaching that class, I looked ragged. And and you're either like recovering from them or you're getting ready to take them on. But either way, there's there's like definitely this idea that there are bad water years in schools. This tidal wave of the bad water is going to get you. The next thing is that weather will ruin the productivity in your classroom. I mean, like, obviously, right? But there's no way anyone can deny this. Snow and rain are obvious. I'm too busy worrying about whether or not we're going to have a snow day or complaining that we didn't get a snow day. So my bad attitude for sure may definitely have a direct impact on productivity. But rain seriously? Some kids act like they've never seen rain in their lives. And again, like some kids don't really see a whole lot of rain. Hey, Las Vegas. But like when it rains normally, okay, it rains normally here where I live. And when it's like rain, like pouring rain, my elementary students raise their hands to inform me that it's raining. Thanks. Yep. And then all of a sudden the announcement comes on that we're having indoor recess and then they are no longer focused on our reading lesson. They start to worry about indoor recess and how to get to the activity that they want to do before Harry sitting next to them gets it. So they're not even like, they're not even focused on what I'm talking about. And and don't even get me started on windy days. Why windy days? Okay, it, it might as well be a full moon on windy days. Why is that? New air coming in? The next thing that that may be a mystery to some, and there may be some scientific evidence for this one, but reading can be fun in school. Now, every teacher listening to this is like, duh, Jess. Like, <laughs> there are so many studies to back this one up. This one shouldn't even count. I know, I know, I know. But the amount of times that that professional development pushes or we as teachers are pushed to spend every waking moment in that classroom actively teaching like bell to bell, we're always engaging, monitoring and testing and like constantly all of the time we're doing stuff and making sure that the kids are on track. But what if we made reading what you want to do as part of the day. We didn't test or monitor and everyone dropped everything in red. Wasn't that a thing at one point? Drop everything in read? Wasn't that called deer time? Was that a fever dream? It might have been. I'm <laughs> I'm not sure. But it's okay, that was that was that time I remember was used as like a treat in my school right? And kids need to find what they're interested in and and we need to give them the time to invest in that through reading or researching. Like start a passion project, read about it. Like why does everything else have to be tracked back to data? What are we even doing with 
the data other than shaming teachers or kids and, and or using it to like motivate them like no like is it even doing anything what are we doing with the data so yes reading can be fun let's make it fun again the next thing that is a hundred percent true is that sometimes winging it were the best lessons ever like, this is me to a T. No amount of planning and studying and handouts could ever be better than the lessons where I truly winged it. I don't know what it was about it, but in those moments where I just kind of let the class go where it needed to go or wasn't super prepared for the class, like knew what we were talking about, but just kind of let the chips fall where they may. And I did my teacher thing. Those were the lessons and what usually turned into like class projects that were the most beautiful and memorable times in my classroom. And those were always the lessons that my kids are like, remember that time when we did this? And like, I love those moments because in those moments, when I'm doing my teacher thing, it's it's almost like I'm reminded that I'm really good at this job. I'm a really good teacher. I'm really good at being a teacher. And it doesn't always come easy, but but when it does, like, wow, I am an unstoppable educational Beyonce or Taylor Swift, just like doing my teacher thing and being the amazing teacher that I am. Like, Yes, this is my era's tour. I love this idea that we are capable of winging it and and making the classroom what it needs to be. Okay, lesson plans are usually a guideline, right? And I think that's what they need to need to be. But a hundred percent true is that the best lessons that I've ever had in my classroom are the ones where I had no idea where that lesson was going. <laughs> But unfortunately, I know where this is going because it's the end of the episode. Thank you so much for being on board the Hamas Teacher Express today. And um, you can always join us every single day. If you are following us on social media, we're on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube. I would love to see you guys over there. The Hot Mess Gang is all over there. So until next week, when I when I see you again aboard the Hot Mess Teacher Express, yeah, stay messy. Okay, bye. Bye.